Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. You're listening to episode four, and we are talking all about your inner rhythms. We're talking about when your body naturally wants to, say, wake up, go to sleep, when you're most creative times, when do you need rest and recovery time, especially as a highly sensitive, and how you can use the gifts of being highly sensitive to really tune into this. So in our current culture, there is this kind of pervasive messaging around productivity, around waking up and hopping on some crazy exercise equipment right away and then getting to work early and kind of blasting all the way through the day, maybe going out after work to socialize in a socially distant way in our current time or whatever that looks like. But in general, a lot of the messaging around the average day, it's pretty constantly on all day long. And I think we got to come back to that thought that we're not machines. You can't just hit the power on us in the morning and have us work from dawn till dusk, pumping out the exact same amount of productivity from a.m. to p.m. Now we're reclaiming this aspect of our, our humanness, that we are rhythmic beings, that we are beings with a cycle, and that we can learn to live in harmony with these. So this is starting to come through more. This idea of hustle culture is really starting to shift and fade away, especially if you're an entrepreneur listening to this. However, I feel like as highly sensitive especially, we have an even more specific inner rhythm that we get to listen to and learn about which is in some ways really exciting because then you can design your day to feel your best. You can design your day to acknowledge, hey, this might be a really challenging situation for my senses. I may get overwhelmed in this particular meeting, say you're working from home on your computer. You may know that, okay, I know I'll have three hours on the computer by noon, whenever it is. And I may need to build a little bit of a rest in there for myself afterwards. And this is where we start to do some investigative work, some self-reflection work. This is where we start to use our gifts of noticing and our gifts of self-awareness to just see what works and what doesn't when we're thinking about designing our day. Now, I love the saying to architect your day. I was listening to a Marie Forleo podcast yesterday, actually, and she said that. And I really, really like that. So full credit to her. And I'm going to just share a few different ways, a few different parts of your day to think about. And as you're listening to today's episode, I invite you to start imagining your day, dreaming your perfect day. 
And I don't mean dreaming in the sense of, oh, this is what my ideal day always looks like because life happens, but setting up the best possible day for yourself in simple words. So let's start at the beginning. Say you are well-rested, you've been going to bed at a really good time, and you didn't actually set an alarm. When would your body naturally wake up? What time does your own inner rhythm dictate? Okay, time to get going in the morning. I know for me, I'm much more of a sort of 6.45 to 7.30, depending on what season it is, because I notice my body clock shifts a bit with the seasons. Winter, I seem to need that little bit of extra sleep. Summer, I'm up a bit earlier with the light. Certainly not at dawn, though I have tried. (laughs) And I wanted to speak to that, that a lot of times when we hear about a morning practice or a morning routine, as it's more commonly referred to, we're often told, just set your alarm for half an hour earlier if you want to get in that workout. Or just set your alarm an hour earlier if you want that extra time to write or to do whatever it is. Sometimes that advice works really well. Sometimes that's great. And that is the time that you can carve out beforehand, before your day really starts for whatever's important to you. However, I know for me, I've tried that. Maybe I didn't try it long enough. Maybe I wasn't consistent enough with it, but... I've tried it more than once, and I end up just feeling groggy quite a long ways into the day. And it wasn't until I really started listening and honoring my inner rhythms that I went, okay, you know what? Forever setting my alarm earlier and earlier is just not really going to work for me. Because as a highly sensitive, and this I know I'm not alone in, I really need my sleep. I really need that recovery time, that rest time, especially if it's been a full day, especially if it's been an emotional day, or if there's been moments where my senses have been really saturated. This is why I'm starting off talking about our inner rhythms and sleep. And of course, if one wants to have a really solid start to your day with a really easy wake up or easier wake up and a really nice morning practice, that doesn't start at the beginning of the day. Your morning practice starts the night before. This is another time where you can, again, just start to note, when does my body get tired? When do I actually want to go to sleep? And the important part here, when and why do I push through that? to stay up later. I am certainly not a saint when it comes to going to bed when my body requests it. I cannot tell you how many times I have kept reading. That is probably my biggest challenge, is going to bed if I'm reading a really good book. Because I'll pick it up after dinner and I can easily just read for five hours. However, that's not really honoring my inner rhythms. If I go to bed too late, I don't feel rested the next morning, feel a little groggy, and then it takes a bit of time to catch up from that. So knowing that life happens, we're not about perfect templates. Again, we're not machines. We're not going to be going to bed at the exact same minute. 
but just noticing, okay, I tend to get tired around 9.30, 10, 10.30, whatever time it is. Acknowledging there might be some people that really stay up later, they're more the night owl type, some that are the early bird type. I used to joke that I got neither of those and that I was just in the middle that I needed to go to bed early and I needed to wake up, not necessarily late, but I was not, and I don't think ever will be, a 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. wake up person. So this all just comes back to that recovery time with sleep and that one of the hallmark traits of being highly sensitive is our depth of processing. How much we're noticing in a day, how much we're feeling in a day. And that's one of the reasons why I believe sleep is especially important for us. I also want to name that not everybody falls asleep five minutes after their head hits the pillow. Not everyone stays asleep all through the night. Not everyone feels rested when they wake up. So I just want to name that and acknowledge that difficulty sleeping and insomnia, they can be really challenging. I've had my adventures with them too. And I'm very thankful that right now is a pretty good period of really regular sleeping. Though I just want to really encourage you, if you've thought about working on your sleep patterns, if you've thought, hey, I've had insomnia for a long time, kind of want to give up on it, but maybe there's this one other element I could try, then give it a whirl. This is a great time to bring in a practitioner for support that works with sleep or to just start experimenting and noticing, going back to old habits that may have worked before and kind of slipped away when it comes to good sleep. But yeah, I just wanted to name that. I know not everybody sleeps easily, so that can also be a part of life and learning to live as best one can within where your inner rhythms are at. So I started off that whole preamble on sleep with talking about a night practice. I think of it as my evening ritual. Sometimes it gets a little more elaborate, but it's generally pretty simple. And it's just setting myself up for the next morning while also winding down. And also going back to earlier, if you're a person that consistently feels that little tug to go to sleep, feeling that fatigue, but just stays up a little bit longer, bringing that question of and curiosity as to why you're staying up a little longer and if that's supportive for you. Easier said than done. Sometimes we're in a habit and it takes a little bit to shift it. That's okay. Bringing in a sense of play can be helpful too when we're looking at shifting some habits that maybe don't support our inner rhythms. I know that Netflix and screen time of any sort right before going to sleep, again for me personally, is one way that'll definitely keep me awake and wired. I can completely miss my quote-unquote tired window as I think of it, and then I'll easily get my second wind and feel great till midnight, and then have trouble falling asleep and wake up late the next morning feeling not great. So it's one of these things. We're not going to be perfect. We don't need to be. But just acknowledging when is a great time to go to sleep and how can we support ourselves to get there. So 
Zero judgments with any of this. I've done them all. I've done. I've fallen down the YouTube hole late at night. Mentioned before, I'll fall into a book as well. <laughs> and now recently I've started playing piano, so sometimes I'll play piano in the evenings. And just knowing this isn't about judgment, this isn't about having things follow a rigid schedule, but starting to dance with your inner rhythms and having some fun with it. So we've talked a little bit about the end of the day and the start of the day. So the end of the day, I'll do things like get my breakfast started. I'll soak my oatmeal, put it in some water before I go to bed, and I'll lay out my clothes for the next morning. I also have usually a time where I'll have the screen shut off by, and I will just start with, ideally, I know this sounds silly, but I read some great advice. Ideally, reading a slightly boring book before going to bed. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's a little piece of advice from an author named Fumio Sasaki in his book, Hello Habits, which I'm really enjoying, by the way. So reading a book, if that's, say, a particular aspect that you find hard to go to sleep because you're really stuck in a book, reading one that maybe isn't quite quite as enthralling, and but still interesting enough before going to bed. Just these little things, these little shifts to support yourself, and this can really add up over time. So, moving on from that, thinking about evenings and mornings, into the rest of our day. When are you most creative? When is your time of day when your mind is either the most quiet or you can just listen into your own intuition or your own creative juices. Has that ever been something you've thought about or noticed before? When I first started paying attention to my inner rhythms, I actually wasn't too sure when this time of day was for me. And I actually worked out what it was because I stopped checking my email first thing in the morning. I waited a few hours and I realized, because I had a suspicion, oh, it's the morning. It's that time from after breakfast through to mid-morning. I can write. I can do some really deep planning work. I can really dive into some meaty projects. So when I say creative, I'm not necessarily meaning artwork. We're creative in many, many different ways. And this is another gift of being a highly sensitive, especially. I believe all humans are creative, but I feel like we can have some extra fun tuning into details and the nuances of things. So starting to notice when am I most creative and how do I support that? How do you create habits and a container that really help you lean into that creative flow? And on the subject of working, creative working or otherwise, how long do you ideally work before needing a break, before needing a rest? I think it's helpful to remember that our day doesn't need to look like how society has designed it. That we can come back and design our day to live within our inner rhythms. And it may not be perfect, it may not be ideal, 
but even just adding in a little bit more here and there, adding in those extra short rests when we know we need it. And say with work, you know you've got a good half an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it is of deep thinking work before you just notice yourself reaching for your phone or reaching for something else. And you're like, okay, I'll take a step back and have a little pause here instead. It could be a great time to bring in some of that low stimulation time. We talked about this in episode two a little bit more and just allowing the senses to have a bit of a rest. That could be as simple as sitting in your chair, turning off your monitor, closing your eyes, and just giving everything a few moments to be. It can look like a little bit of a deeper rest if you know you've worked for however long you need before a bit of reset time. You can have a, a power nap. We, we don't talk enough about power naps. I know they don't really jive with everyone, but even 10 minutes of lying down, eyes closed, can have a pretty big impact. Today, we've talked about a few different ways of living within your inner rhythms. And I've mostly focused on them on the daily scale. But I also know that this relates to weekly, monthly, yearly scales as well. And I'll share more on that in the future. But for now, with this Easing Overwhelm series, on a weekly level, I used to really struggle with Monday mornings. Even Sunday nights, start feeling a little bit blah, a little bit anxious. And it took me a while to work out that, okay, I just need a little bit of transition time between the weekend and the week. Starting work for me, even though I love my work, starting work at 9 a.m. Monday morning didn't fit with my inner rhythms. And we're pretty active. We're out for a lot of the weekends. So that ended up meaning a lot of regular house things just kind of piled up and flowed into the week. So I finally came up with the very simple solution to have this protected time Monday mornings. Nine to noon, I didn't book anything. That was to set us up for the week if I needed to. That was to just have a slow morning if I needed to. Or I could dive right into work if that was drawing me. But that's just a brief example of a little bit more of a subtle inner rhythm that you can start to just notice in your own life. Are there certain days of the week that flow really easily for you? And maybe others that are challenging? This is just an invitation to use your curiosity, your self-observation, to just notice how the flow of your week goes and how your inner rhythms are either meshing with it or maybe not so much. Seeing if there's ways to change that even just a little bit. And on a monthly scale and an example of living within your inner rhythms there, if you are a person that has a moon time, that has a period or a menstrual cycle, your body is changing and fluctuating and living in a cyclical nature. 
So why should we expect to feel exactly the same every day? Now, if you've been following me for a while, you've probably seen me talk about my moon retreats, and I take I take it pretty easy as best as I can during my moon time. I'll book events, I'll plan big projects all around my cycle. And for me, this was such a game changer, such a shift in anxiety levels and just even in the amount that I could complete because I really started to respect my inner rhythms. took me a long time to learn what they were in the first place, but again, I know I've said this a few times, but coming back to that self-observation, just noticing how you feel at different times of the month and looking for patterns. I've personally noticed how much my own level of sensitivity changes throughout the month, and that's really, really important for me because... A, it lets me plan things, as I mentioned, but B, if life happens, if something pops up and I need to really show up at a time when ideally I'd be cocooning a bit more, I can really lean into my self-care practices, can really lean into being extra gentle and extra compassionate with myself. So while you may not be able to design your day or architect your day 100% in line with your inner rhythms, I'm guessing you can get just a little bit closer to them. So with all that being said, what is one element in your day that you can change? Is it something around your evening ritual, your morning practice, creating more space for your creative time? What's one thing that you could begin to change that would really respect your inner rhythms? And I invite you to have fun just playing and experimenting along the way. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Even though it's in the Easing Overwhelm series, this one is a little bit longer because there's just so much to dive into living within your inner rhythms. And even this is just starting to scratch the surface that hopefully gives you a bit of the picture. Now, I'd mentioned that living within your inner rhythms on a yearly basis can be really powerful. And I haven't gotten into that intentionally, because we'd also be here all day. But one of the ways that I do that is through the nature spirit circles. Now, every month I hold a gathering for those that are highly sensitive that love nature, and that want to tune into what's happening in the seasonal wheel of the year, what's happening out in nature. And in January, on the 16th, we'll be meeting online as a group, and we're going to spend some time visioning, going to spend some time tuning into this new cycle, this new year. And we're also going to be spending a little bit of time vision boarding, and just in community. The nature spirit circles always start off with a guided meditation and a chance to connect and get to know everyone in the group as we dive into our theme of the month, which, as I've mentioned, is visioning. If that calls to you and you'd like to join us or even just read a little bit more, you can head to my website, combinationhealing.ca 
forward slash events. And I'll also put that in the show notes as well. The cost to join is $22 per person or bring a friend for $35. If finances are a challenge and you feel called to join us, please just connect with me directly at lisa at combinationhealing.ca. If you have enjoyed today's episode, if you feel like it would be helpful for others to hear, I invite you to share it with a friend. You're also, of course, welcome to rate, review, and follow on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope you have a beautiful day. And until next time, bye for now.